Notes from the Upper West Side, a novel by Dan Wrench. Chapter 122, The Master Builder. So Whispers was suddenly my chum, or at least he wasn't my anti-chum. And all because I paid the remaining 40 bucks to be a producer on Little Round Jewish Hat. Part of me still wanted to argue with him about it, though. I wanted him to know that, hey man, I pitched in a fat wad of free time on Hat. You should be writing me a check. And I wanted him to know it good and hard. But I settled for his big redneck in the city smile. While he was all smiles, he told me the same thing Bang told me on the phone a few days before. Namely, that all because of my assembly line idea, his little ad hoc team of tobacco slingers was kicking out boxes of one for the road like bullets from a Tommy gun. All aimed at college kids and businessmen and dykes and freaks and posers and whoever else just had to relax with his head in a warm, vulvic haze. But when Bobby told me about it, he threw in a lot more compliments and what you might call incentives than Bang had thrown in when he told me. Hey man, Monty might be here tomorrow night, Bobby said. She is going to be truly impressed. I tried not to feel like a groupie who just got signaled by some roadie to come backstage. So within a half hour of showing up, I was king of the old factory, and I barely even knew what any of them did there. And the big ignore I had going on with Cammy, like I said before, not awkward. I did kind of feel sorry for her just working away there in her little corner, not as busy or connected or well thought of as me. But it was just nostalgia. Lust-free nostalgia. And you know, fuck lust-free nostalgia. The whole reason I was there was to get inside some new chick's pants and pound slowly the way chicks crave their poundings. Poundings they memorialized by implanting their femme emotions on each savage thrust. That would be a harder task. See, getting into a big ignore with the used up babe is easy. But now I had to break the ice with someone new and take it to the savage thrust level. I figured it out. Well, I thought I figured it out. That is, how I was going to break the ice with Cynthia, or maybe Mallory, or maybe both. I have a history with Cynthia, I thought. I have that going for me. A history. Maybe I should have thought a little bit more about the exact nature of the history I had with Cynthia, and that it probably wasn't something I could build on without some tour de force liarship. Liarship so daring it could make circus crowds gasp. But Captain Think whose only job really is to keep an eye on complications like this, wasn't paying any attention to the specifics of my history with Cynthia or my very brief history with Mallory. So I just thought, we have a history. And that idea just sat there like a petri dish wet with something sneezed out of an old man's face. And 
And I guess I was also pretty high on my own self-satisfaction. I was a hero of logistics or architecture. Yeah, architecture. I am the architect, I thought, the master builder. I was feeling like everyone sort of admired me, so I assumed Cynthia would admire me too and would want to break the ice with me and that it was great for her that we, well, had a history that could help her out with that. And what about ripped Fonda? Bang was pretty sure Bobby was drilling her and Monty was slurping her. Maybe she had some free time for the master builder. I decided to give Captain Think the assignment of coming up with a Fonda strategy. I noticed there was an empty chair next to Cammy at the workbench. She was putting a baggie of cunt tobacco in a box. There was a chick standing about two feet away from her holding another baggie. This chick? She saw me watching them and turned around. You want to get in here? She asked. Whoa. It was the assistant director Dyke from Little Round Jewish Hat. I was startled. From the back, she was completely disguised. She was wearing a skirt, and her hair was big and reddish blonde instead of smushed down under a bandana like it was for those three days on the set. She gave me a big grin. It's me, Roz, she said. The AD. Wow, I said. We shook hands like it was the Marine Corps, and she just stepped out of a chopper with the rotors still churning. You're helping out down here, huh? Nah. She said, this is my freaking day job. Working around here with Bobby and Fonda and Jan sometimes. No way I'm slaving off extra hours. When my shift ends, I blow. So, what are you working on there? I'm measuring out into the fresh pack baggie exactly how many ounces of Snatch-tastic is on the order blank. And then I hand the Snatch purse. Hey! She called out to the room. What are we calling the filled baggies now? Snatch packs. Someone called back. Roz turned to me again. I hand the snatch pack to Cameron and she puts it in the decorative cardboard box. Huh, I said. She took out her phone and checked the time. Yep, another day dead. Gotta hit bricks. So, I guess I'll see you around. Hey, you want to take over from me here? I'm going to tell Bobby I'm coming in late tomorrow. Dentist. Not sure why I needed to know that about the dentist, but okay, she has teeth. Roz handed me her stuff and gave me a big smile and split. Now I was handing baggies to Cammie. We were cordial, even though technically we were still ignoring each other. I was busy throwing in contributions to the banter Bang was having with Fonda and Janet and that guy I told you about named Squire. Hey, leave the kid alone, I said. If you called me Squirt, I'd clear your sinuses with a broom handle. Bang thought that was funny, so he riffed on the subject of sinuses and broom handles for about five minutes. <laughs> Fucking comics. Seriously. Sinuses and broom handles. <laughs> Cammy wasn't participating in the moronic back and forth with a bang. I felt like I could feel her, you know? It was like she was sitting there waiting for something to happen between us, and she wanted to be ready for my inevitable savoir faire. It was sad. I felt sympathetic. Look, it, she was a used-up judge. 
worse, a chotch used up by a pile of guys, including a preposterous wannabe stage director who laughed like a crow. But I thought I should be a decent human being and include her in some friendly conversation. I tried to be decent, like I said, and took a break from bantering with Bang and the gang. Nice hair, I said to Cammy, kind of low. Seriously, that was the best I could come up with. She didn't move or say anything. I don't think she heard me. I leaned in closer to her. Nice hair, I said. She stood up and stepped back a little and turned around and looked not quite at me, but seemed to glance at the piece of table in front of me and said, Oh, thanks. And then sat down again and jammed a bag into a box. And I thought, what a spaz. Notes from the Upper West Side is a work of fiction. The people depicted in this work do not exist. Notes from the Upper West Side, copyright 2023. By Dan Wrench.